Psalms chapter 42 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he spoke into existence every continent, every land formation. And then he formed every living creature, every creature that's on the earth and under the earth and in the earth and in the waters and above the earth, God formed. He then created the very atmosphere that sustains life on this planet. He created every single bit of vegetation that exists. And so when Psalms says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, it's because God didn't buy them from anybody. He didn't conquer it. He didn't take it from someone. No, he made it. And because he made it, he owns it, all of it, and he's not giving it away. To make this point even clearer, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Sometimes I think we live as if we don't understand this. Every funeral that I have done, one thing remains the same. They take nothing with them, not even the clothes that they're wearing. And so it will be when you pass away, when you die, nothing will go with you. Everything that you have acquired for yourself, everything that you've picked up, honestly, chances are somebody else owned it before you. And if that wasn't the case, someone will probably own it after you, but it won't go with you. You will be replaced more than likely in your position. This is kind of depressing, isn't it, right? Your job, I'm just encouraging you this morning. Your job will probably go to somebody else because you're not taking your career with you either. Absolutely nothing will leave this world with you. It all stays right here. You may go home now. But there is something you will take with you, right? Your actions and what you do with what God has given you while you're on this earth is what you will take with you. You know, I was going to have, I had, I, some of you expecting Pastor Marini to preach this morning. I'd asked him to do it and to, to preach on Ezra. But as the week progressed, I really felt like God wanted me to preach on this. And so I've asked him to speak next week instead. We are getting into Nehemiah and he is going to do some background information on Ezra. But I really feel like this kind of ties in with where we're going. So um, that's why Pastor Rennie is not up here this morning. But come back next week. You will hear him next week. But as we hurdled 2014, right, people in the world did the same thing they do every single year, right? Every time we embrace some, some new year, what do we do? These, they're these New Year's resolutions, they're these new goals, they're these new things that we want to achieve. And, and basically, we set these goals by doing something that we hate doing, and that is by looking back, Right? A lot of times we look back to the year before. So in 2014, I gained 15 extra pounds. Yeah, I know what my resolution is going to be, right? 
2014, I didn't do such a great job in this area of my life, or I didn't like the way I performed, I don't like whatever. And so many times as we look back at our failures of the past, whether it's the past year or past years, we determine where we want to be, the kind of people we want to be, and then we strive with all of our hearts to get where we decided we want to be. But the most important question that one can ask at the end of a year And the only question that really carries eternal consequences has nothing to do with your weight. It has nothing to do with your career objectives. It has nothing to do with how much of God's stuff that you can acquire under your roof in the course of a year or a lifetime. But it has everything to do with stewardship. Stewardship defined is this, the conducting supervising, or managing of something. Especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted into one's care. Everything belongs to God. Nothing belongs to you. Nothing belongs to me. And that point is driven home by, listen, you have it while you're here. It belongs to him. He spoke it into existence. And when you go, you're not taking it with you. So it's not yours. But it is under your care. And so what we need to understand is that when something is entrusted into our care that does not belong to us, it makes us not owners of that thing, but managers, stewards. And so what becomes important is not what I want to do with something that does not belong to me, but what the owner wants me to do with what does not belong to me, but rather belongs to him. Scripture is clear that Even your own lives are not your own. And not your own abilities, your own skill sets, your own talents, your education, your careers, all of that. It does not belong to you, but it belongs to God. Everything in the earth and on the earth is His. Yet these things have simply been entrusted into our care. And that makes us stewards. And everything that has been given, everything that has been entrusted into your care is given to you with the primary responsibility of building God's kingdom. It's His. It exists for His glory. Entrusted into your care with the same mission. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So the question is really this. As you pause and you look back over the past year or the past years, is one of stewardship. What have I done with what God has entrusted into my care in 2014? Maybe we can even ask the question this. How have I built the kingdom of God in 2014 with my abilities? How have I built the kingdom of God in 2014 with my talents? How have I built the kingdom of God in 2014 with my education? How have I built his kingdom with my career? How have I built his kingdom with my finances? How have I built his kingdom with my life in 2014? 
As we look at that, hopefully, for, 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 for a lot of us, we'll go, you know what, I, 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 I kind of like, I did a good job in this. Year. Maybe it's not where I need to be, but man, I can see I, I used that. And it's exciting, it's encouraging to, to begin to build this kingdom. And then honestly, for a lot of us too, we may find some good things, but there'll be areas in our lives we'll go, man, it's like the kingdom of God didn't even exist when it came to that area of my life. And I haven't done anything for his kingdom with that talent, with that ability. Let me ask you this. What if, man, God says, I'm coming back right now? Because it could happen in the blink of an eye. Game over. Stop where you are. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Done. It's done. What's done is done. And now you are about to go before God Almighty with your checklist of achievements and goals and everything that you've accomplished up until this point. There's no changing any of it. And as you come before God, the plumb line or the measuring stick that he has to look at what you've done and how you've been a steward and how you've managed what he's given you is based on was it done for the kingdom of God And then you bring your list of achievements and maybe as you go before God, you're reviewing them yourself going, oh man, see, because God can see it all. It's not really what you say you've done. It's what he knows you've done, right? You don't get to make that list. That list is being made for you as you live. And you will stand before God and God will look at it. And some he'll go, yes, that was done for the kingdom. And some he'll go, that was done for your kingdom. That was done for my kingdom, and that was done for self. Scripture tells us the only thing that's going to last is what was done for him. How much time do we waste with that knowledge? Right? How much time do we spend spinning our wheels for something that is not eternal? And the question is, how confident are you with your list as you stand before God right now? can't go back. You can't change anything. But this is it. I know there's some things on my list that I'm going, hold on, God. Not yet. I want him to come back. You know what? We fall short, don't we? We fall short. It's all his. Sometimes we get so distracted. Stewardship is not just about finances. Sometimes we hear stewardship and we go, oh, it's finances, I'm so tired of finances and talking about this. Man, stewardship is about every area in your life. And if you restrict it just to stewardship, just to finances, you're really missing it. It's about how you manage everything that God has given you. However, how you manage your finances that God has placed into your hands is a good indication on where your heart might be. See, there's one thing that's true that we know, right? The God of this world is what? It's money, right? Money is not the root of all evils, but the love of money is. And so what, what's so important about money for us and how we handle money? And guys, you can probably count on one hand in eight years how much I've spent preaching on money. I hate talking about it. Probably to a fault. 
But what it is, is it's a good indication on where our hearts are. See, money is what this world chases after. The more of it you have, the more successful you are. Let me, let me tell you something. You can be a wealthy Christian and have lots of money, and money is not an issue for you. You could be a poor Christian, have no money, and money's a God in your life. It's not about how much you have or how much you don't have. It's the position it holds in your life. It makes sense. And what you do with it and, 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 and your heart towards it. And so we can get a, a it's, it's a measuring stick for us to say, okay, wait a second. Where is my heart when it comes to this? Open your Bibles with me in Genesis Chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, and then we're going to jump down to verses 15 through 17, and then Genesis chapter 3. We're going to jump around a little bit, but I'll, I'll do it slowly. Again, Genesis chapter 2, starting at verses 8 through 9. We see stewardship taking place from the very beginning, from the time God put Adam and Eve into this world. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We'll jump down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Flip the page to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. Genesis 3, verse 6 through 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees or fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All right, so God speaks, and he forms the, the, the world and the earth. God makes man, and he makes this beautiful garden, beautiful trees, They're both good for food, they're pleasing to the eye, and Adam and Eve have everything that they need. And God places Adam and Eve, and he puts them into this beautiful place, this Garden of Eden, and they become what? Stewards of this garden. They don't have to work, right? The sin isn't there yet. Things are are good. And, and, And God puts them and says, just take care of it. He was placed there as a steward, as a manager. But what's so beautiful about it is he was managing resources that he could use. They were for him. They were God's, but they were a gift to him. But in this beautiful garden that God gives them, he places two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You ever ask yourself, why did God make these trees? I mean, God made them. God put them there. It wasn't like he was like, oh, man, those things grew. Ah. No, like he, he put them there. He didn't have to. Why did God grow two trees 
right? Out of all of these trees in this garden, why did God put them into the care of Adam and Eve and then say, everything is yours, but not these two? Well, and, and even if he just did that, why didn't God just command angels to kind of encamp around those trees and not even give man an option to get to it, right? I mean, if I was God, probably wouldn't have created the trees. Why? You know, God, God just doesn't want robots, does he? And God wants people that choose to love him, Right? And this is something about our nature, about saying, don't touch this, right? Right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're in the kitchen. The stove is hot, right? There you have your toddler. And in the living room, you can't even walk. There are so many toys everywhere. And you look at the toddler, and you're like, do not touch the stove immediately. There is nothing more interesting or more attracting than that stove, right? And immediately, the toys mean nothing to them, and they're looking at that stove, and they're thinking, I've just got to touch that stove, <laughs> right? Right? They just, they just, they've got to, and they start watching. I mean, you've seen this. It's like if I just look at mom, she won't see my hand going up. I'm just going to look. And it's not like they touch it and go like, this is awesome. <laughs> like I've never felt this in all of my life. Why wasn't I touching the stove before? This is great. No, like it means nothing. Like I get nothing out of touching the stove, right? It means nothing. It's not even good. It's not fun. There's just something about saying don't touch it. And everything in the human nature is like, I've got to have it. My dog is this way. I, I was, okay, so Michael hates Sophie, our dog, going into his room and so, she, like, every time she goes in there, she's just going to love on him. And he's like, get out, get out, get out. For you who don't know, Michael has autism. And it's just the way he is. He, Michael, he loves Sophie, but just not in his room. That's where his stuff is. And so he goes off to school, and every door to every bedroom is open in our house. And when I walk out, you know where the dog is? Sleeping in his bed. See, my dog's a sinner, too. So it's just... There's something in us that's just like, man, I've got to just touch this. And, and parents, listen, when you, when, young or old, you don't want your, your, your kids to do the right thing simply because you've told them this is the right thing. You want them to want to do the right thing, right? right? You want your kids to respect you and love you, not because you've commanded them to respect you and love you, because they want to respect you and they want to love you and they want to honor you. And so guess what? That always comes with a choice, doesn't it? Otherwise, we have robots. And so we look at this. Why did God put this tree or these trees in this garden? Life Application writes it this way. It says, God wanted Adam to, to obey, but God gave Adam the freedom to choose. Without choice, Adam would have been like a prisoner, and his obedience would have been hollow. The two trees provide an exercise in choice. One with rewards for choosing to obey and sad consequences for choosing to disobey. So we've got Adam and Eve, and, and despite a garden full of trees with more food than they can handle, more beauty than they can handle, and, 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 and in this entire garden, God's given this to them. They don't even have to work. They choose 
despite what God has asked them, despite their crazy amount of resources to take from the very thing that God told them not to. They disobeyed God, and in, in a sense, they actually elevated themselves and worshiped themselves by reaching across and taking from that tree. Do you realize that very action put Jesus Christ on a cross? Do you realize like that was it? The minute they reached over and took from a tree, it cost Jesus his life on a cross to build the bridge back. I hear some people say, you know what? You know, our lives have never been the same since that moment in time, right? I mean, from that moment of time, we were working our fingers to the bone, right? Right? Ladies, childbirth, thank you, Eve. Just saying, right? And I've had some people, I've had some people come up and go, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to find her, and I'm going to find Adam, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind, right? Like, as if we're not guilty, Right? It's so easy to kind of look and go, man, the blame on them. It's all their fault. Now, let me tell you something. Just like Adam and Eve and just like the resource that God's put into their hands, God places a Garden of Eden into your hands every single month. Now, we don't think about it that way, right? So for Adam and Eve, resources were the trees, it was fruit and, and all of these things. But what are our resources? Man, our finances... That's our resource. Now, with, with our finances, we're, we're, it's shelter. With our finances, it's food. With, with, with our finances, it's clothing. It's transportation. Man, our resources are, are it's financial. And every, every single month, maybe for you it's every single week, and maybe for you it's, it's biweekly, maybe it's once a month, or whatever the case may be, to you comes a Garden of Eden every time you get paid. And it doesn't belong to you, it actually belongs to him. But he says, you know what, here's the deal. Everything, you can use this. It's for you. Take care of yourself. Get what you need. Feed yourself. But within this garden of Eden that I'm placing into your hands, there's a portion of it, just a small portion, that I don't want you to touch. That belongs to me. Everything else is yours. And why doesn't God just deduct it from our paycheck ahead of time? Like, don't give me a choice, right? Why doesn't God command angels to guard it with swords drawn, like, like after, right? It's for the same reason that he didn't do it with Adam and Eve. See, God doesn't want robots. See, here's the thing. God does not need your money. Right? God's not saying, man, if you don't give to me, like I'm in trouble. He's not dependent on it. He doesn't need it from you. It's got nothing to do with him needing any from you. No, it's got everything to do with worship and your heart, not his. God's mission is going to go forward whether you give or whether you don't give. This is just a test of where your heart is. It's a test. And God says, okay, in, into your hands, I'm going to give you something that the world has made a God out of. And I want to see if you're going to make a God out of it too. I'm going to see if you're going to make a God out of your finances or even a God out of yourself. And all I want is just a small portion that I'm saying, don't touch. You have enough to handle. 
this. Just don't touch this. That portion belongs to me. And I just want you to want to give it to me. And every week, we get that Garden of Eden and that choice. And every week, or every couple, whatever it is when you get paid, you have an opportunity to worship him or worship yourself. You have opportunity to give to him what is his or take from him what is his and give it to yourself. So here's what happens in the garden, right? We know that Satan comes in the form of a snake to Eve and he comes slithering up to her and, and she's obviously probably in front of this tree going, that's a nice tree, probably like the toddler looking at the stove, right, with all the other trees around. And you know what he says? He says to her, God really say that? If you can get some doubt going, man, did God really say that? Because if I can convince myself that God didn't, man, I can eat from this tree. And when she looks at it and she says, man, it's really pleasing to the eye. It's nice to look at it and it's good for food. This was, this was the justification that we read, right? This is what she said. It's pleasing to look at. I'll go back there real quick and look. She says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, that's food's good, right? Pleasing to the eye, it's nice to look at nice things, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. These are good things. When I get wise, I can eat, and this is pleasing, right? When she saw this, along with, 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 with Satan kind of deceiving her and leading her, she then reaches across and justifies, and that action elevates herself and pushes God down and says, basically, I am my own God. I'll do what I want. What happens, you know, it comes to us in the same way. A lot of times we're sitting looking at our paycheck and we're like, man, I, I man, 10%. And then a little voice says, did God really say? And that's Old Testament. Jesus died. It's New Testament. I don't need to do this. Man, if I can just convince myself of that, man, I can, this is, I can use this. And then we go, man, it's nice to look at that 10%. That's a nice, you're writing that check, you're like, this is hard. It's nice to look at that 10%. And then you go, man, this is good for food. I could use this money for food. Man, I could use this maybe for gaining wisdom, maybe for through education. I could use this for, for benefiting this and do all the things I could do with this. And maybe I could just save it interesting how we find ourselves in that same kind of situation, isn't it? Kind of wrestling with very similar questions to what Eve wrestled with. It's at that moment where we go, man, do I take it and build my kingdom with it? Or would I leave it alone to build his kingdom with it? And that right there is about a heart. It's about worship. It's got nothing to do with money. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's just, it's just elements that God is using to test because money is close to people's hearts. Will you worship him? Or will you worship yourself? See, we don't think of it that way, do we? No, we want to think about justifying it or whatever. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 11 says this. God says, I, the Lord, do not change. 
so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a, more mortal, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Since you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. God has given us resources. He's given them to bless us. He's given them for you to use, for you to do well with, and to grow. But within those resources, he is entrusted into your care. He has set aside a small portion that he wants you to worship him with. Out of your own choice, out of your own heart out of your own desire, not because you have to, but because you want to. It's almost like a thank you saying, God, just thank you for what you've given me. And he wants you to be able to share in building his kingdom. See, this is what it says. This is to go to the storehouse, right? The storehouse is the local church. It's the church where you're going, right? And so... If this is done correctly, what actually happens here is this. Money comes in. God says, listen, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to use you to build my kingdom. And actually, out of part of your worship of me, when you actually give, and that money goes into the storehouse, it's called a storehouse because it actually goes back out of the storehouse to bless and help people who need help. All right? And so when you give and you honor me, it's actually going to be multiplied in the form of people and helping them. And so this is how it works. God says, listen, you take that 10%. I want you to have a part of this. I want you to share in the building of my kingdom. You have a role in this. And so when you do this, it's actually going to change, and it's actually going to look like lives. Lives that are lost, lives that are broken, lives that are addicted, lives that are in bondage, being set free, as long as that storehouse is doing what that storehouse is supposed to be doing. All right? There are a lot of churches that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. All right? But it's supposed to go out to, to, to be used to building his, for building his kingdom. If you come to this church, this is where your tithe needs to go. Your tithe goes to the church so the church can go out and reach people, all right? Now, here's the thing. If you do not believe in the mission of this church, man, please go to a church that you do and tithe there, all right? It's about going to to, to, to a church and believing in the mission. The church would be reaching people and changing and transforming lives, and you have a role and a place in that. And so God says, man, this 10%, it goes to the storehouse. The storehouse is supposed to use it. And basically, it looks like building my kingdom. So let me ask this question. What happens when we take that 10% that God has entrusted to our care, that's meant to worship him, to build his kingdom? What happens 
when we reach across that line and we go, no, instead of building your kingdom, I'm building my kingdom. See, when you take from that 10%, you're actually saying, this is more about me than it is about you. Now, here's the thing. I know that none of us would really say that. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to go, hey, this is, I don't care about anybody. This is about me. But the reality of our actions is that's what it suggests, you know? We can, be, we can become deceived, and we can begin to go, oh, it's justified. It's because of this. It's because of that. But here's the reality. The reality says, I don't care about the, money, that, that the lives that this money could reach. I don't care about the broken people that are hurting, that this could help lead to Christ. I care more about my car payment. I care more about my creature comforts. I care more about what I want than what, whether they, people are going to hell or not. Now, we wouldn't say it that way, but that's kind of the way it is. You understand that? You're actually saying this is more about me. And, and actually, here's what you're saying is, God, I know you're interested in building your kingdom, but I need this for my kingdom right now. And in doing so, what we're actually saying is this. God, I know you spoke everything in existence. I know it's all yours. But right now, I, I really need this. It's not like I'm taking this because I don't need it. I've got bills and I've got things that I need. Like, this is a need for me. I need this. And so I, I really need this to meet my need. And when we do that, what we're actually saying is, God, I, I can't trust you to meet my need. So I'm actually going to take from you to meet my need. I've got more trust in this than I actually do in you. And so honestly, God... I just have to take what's in front of me. You know, when we do that, I can tell you, it never lasts, does it? <laughs> I mean, you know that when you take that, you're always hurting. One of the interesting that Mal- things that Malachi says this, and I hate the prosperity gospel, guys. I hate, I just hate it. I just hate this, hey, give to God. And Now, there's truth to this. You give to God. You can't outgive God. That's truth, all right? But I hate it when it's used as an investment strategy, like, do this, and then God will do this. And it, it's not about you. Like, it's about his kingdom. Give to God to worship him. Don't give because you want to build all kinds of wealth, all right? It's not about that, all right? But understand this. God says this. Test me in this. God says, listen, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Test me in this. And this is what he says. He says... And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And I love this. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. And he says this, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Let's put that in today's language. I will not let your car break down. Right? Maybe you won't get sick and have to pay all kinds of doctor's fees and things like this. Or maybe your food will last longer. Or maybe it is that you'll get a raise at work. Or maybe there are so many things that God does for us. doesn't mean like there's a paycheck coming in. But God says, you know what? I'm going to do things. It's just not going to cost you money. Have you ever had that before? I know I've had it where it doesn't make sense where I'm going, I don't know how this makes sense, but I just see, we just seem to have money for this. And it's not like I have an abundance of money, but I always have enough. And it doesn't make sense, Right? Then he says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, right? And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. God says, you know what? I'm going to show off. I'm going to provide for you. It's easy to give you a paycheck. I'm going to do things for you. That's just, it's going to be a way of just basically, it's going to get you through. Worship me, he says. Test me in this. And so with this knowledge, we're going, do I trust you, God, or do I need to take this? And God says, if you take from that, 
You will always be taking and it'll never be enough. You will always be taking and it'll always run out. And so when we fail in giving and worshiping God with this, we're taking money that belongs to God, that belongs to He's set aside for building His kingdom, and we're using it to build our own kingdom. I want to say again, this is not about money. God does not need your money. It isn't about paying a bill. Uh, And let me just say this too. Um, This isn't about money for this church either. We don't, I don't look. None of the board members look to see who ties and who doesn't. Um, here's what I love about this church. God is doing amazing things in this church. God is setting the captives free. People in bondage are being set free. People who are addicted are no longer addicted anymore. We're seeing marriages restored. We're seeing lives saved. We're seeing God do some amazing things in this church. All right? We don't need your money. All right? Don't give money to the church. Give a a worship offering to God. All right? It's not about money for us. Listen, if you haven't been tithing, God's done this without you. He doesn't need it to continue on. And one thing I know for sure is this church will continue to exist, not because people tithe, because he is God. And it is his church. And he will see it through. And let me tell you something else. What God has called this church to do, your tithes can't handle. Okay? I'm just telling you, your ties cannot handle. Your ties and my ties are not enough to accomplish what God has called this church to do. So we're not dependent on your ties. I'm dependent on him. If he doesn't show up, it's not happening. Tithe, don't tithe. That's between you and God. But I'm telling you something. You have an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. If you don't tithe, this church is not going to fall apart because it was not built on you. And it wasn't built on your ability to be obedient or not. It is built on him. And God's going to see it through. But as I look at this, my heart breaks about this. And I hate speaking about money because it always seems like in church today, everyone's saying money, money, money. And it's so sickening, all right? God doesn't need your money. It's not about that. It's about your heart. But because money is so close to our hearts, it often represents and reflects where our hearts are. Chances are, if you're not tithing, you're probably not serving anywhere either. Chances are, if you're not tithing, people at work probably don't even know you're a Christian. So if you're not tithing, that's just a small portion. Get the rest of your life right, all right? Because you need to be in your workplace, and and you need to be able to be ministering to God. You need to be basically being a good steward with where you're working first. For, For some of us, writing a check is not an issue. Let me tell you something. You could be writing a check and still not be tithing. You'd be given the most amount of money and still not really be tithing and still not really be worshiping God. It's not really about an action. It's, not about, it's about a heart of worship. It says, God, this exists for you. You understand what I'm saying? It's about living your life for him, living it out in worship. And so one of the things that we look at as a church is, 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 is what God has for us. I know God is moving. We know God is moving us forward. This is something that we do as a church as well. You understand, I, I know how tough it can be when, when, when money is tight. A few years ago, you know all about 1027 projects. We felt like God said to us, listen, take 10% of everything that comes in 
and you need to give it away. You need to invest in, in, in ministries, and you need to give it to things and places and people and ministries that can never give anything back to you. There's no investment strategy in this. You are just giving it away. And we looked at the finances month to month. We go, man, we don't have this month to month. Like 10% is a lot, right? And the temptation is to do this. We got, we're building your kingdom here. This is your church. And God says, no, these resources don't belong to your church. They belong to my church. My church is worldwide. It's not about glad tidings. And so for us, we're like, man, we don't know where this is coming. We took it to the congregation, to the membership, and it was 100%. Everybody said, let's do this. And I love the heart, right? Let's do this. We said, we have a little bit of money in, in savings, but it could all go. And we began to watch that money month to month. As we began to do it, we loved it. We were blessing people, ministries, helping people. But our finances were getting lower and lower and lower, right? And I'm looking at Malachi going, God, this blow open everything and, you know, fix everything like God's going to do this and you start you kind of sound kind of confident at first like God's going to do this and then you're like I think God's going to do this <laughs> like, I really think I heard God in this and so we just watched like the money and the savings just get a little smaller and smaller and smaller right and I began to go and I'm not a guy who counts the money at church like I just it's God's but I began to be that guy as it got lower and lower I'm just being honest right and I'm going and I'm going to be that pastor that destroyed the church and everyone's going to be like yes yeah, someone came and spent all the money you know and then he left, you know, or we threw him out. And it's like, I don't want to be that guy. I'm like, God, like, I know you said this. Like, we're getting nothing from this. Like, this is, I mean, we're having orphanages. We're, like, we're doing some great things. And then it's February, and all of a sudden, like, like we, we get down to $7,000, right? Now, operating funds here, that's basically what it takes to run the church, you know, for a week, basically. And so we're down to $7,000, and then a snowstorm hits on Sunday, like, God, you control the weather. Like, what's up? Like, and I'm quoting scripture back, like, storehousing, you know, and, and, and pests not eating, and you're shutting church down. And then the next Sunday, same thing, three Sundays in February, and I'm going, we're done. Like, we're done. We're, we're in trouble. And, uh, and God was teaching me a lesson in that, saying, someone, you, know, you say to everybody, you're not counting, but look, you're counting it now. I'm like, yeah, I'm counting it now. And... Uh, and honestly, like, it, it just, it was not supposed to happen. Like, everything, I, I tried rearranging doing Saturday services. I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Like, I mean, I was like, we got to fix this. And nothing worked, okay? Do you know the very next month, $20,000 above and beyond whatever normally comes in came in? All right? I, I, I don't go and look at tithes. I went that month. I went, I don't, didn't look at names, but I was just looking at figures. Like, did someone give a big check? Nothing. There was no big check. It was, I, to this day, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know really where it came from. Do you know that we had a, a Paul Revere bell that we had? Um, and uh, I know some of you guys have heard me say this a lot of times, but I never get tired of telling the story. We had a Paul Revere bell that the church had tried to sell like 15 years earlier and had never had any luck with it, just nothing. Do you know I had two people wanting to buy it within like a couple of weeks of that time, and it sold for Within one month, God put $42,000 back into the church. I had no idea where it was going to come from. Sometimes God just likes to show off and go, you know what? <laughs> so when you're not smart enough to figure this one out, right? <laughs> Don't even try. But I am God. You honor me, I'll take care of everything else, right? Now, I say that to you to say, listen, we're not a bunch of geniuses in the leadership up here, but we're trying to follow God. We're trying to be obedient to what he tells us to do. And I want to tell you, we don't just talk about it. We do live this. 
we do live this. And yes, it becomes scary. And yes, sometimes you have beads of sweat in your forehead. And yes, you go, the church is going to fire me. You don't say that. I say that. All right? But let me tell you something. This church wasn't built on my leadership, and it wasn't built on the board's leadership. It's built on his. All right? And listen, your, 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 your ability to make it and to live does not rest in 10% of your finances that belong to God. Whether you make it or do not make it is in his hands, not the hands of your finances. All right? And so we need to stay focused on God and say, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? Let me honor you and let me trust. Because what happens is we're saying, God, I don't know if I can trust you to take care of this. I don't know if I can trust you to handle this. I want to tell you this. Last time I looked at the finances, it was probably a year ago, but these are the figures, right? We have 300 people that come to this church, and, 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 and out of those 300 people, we have 112 families. And the median income of Quincy is $60,000 per household. Some people are going, oh, that's kind of low. And some people are going, oh, that's kind of high. That's why it's a median income, right? Because it kind of balances out. Based on 10%, the amount of money that should be coming into this church in a year is $670,000. What comes in is $275,000. I say that. Because you know what it says? 39% of the people get it. So which 39% of it is it in here, right? I mean, we don't want to do that, right? 39% of the people. If you really want to translate that, maybe you could say 39% of the people actually care about other lives. 39% of the people are really interested in building God's kingdom. Does it mean that 61% are building their own? I'm not trying to figure that one out. It's not about money. But I look at it and I go, man, God has said there's still 61% out there that's actually his. And some of us are driving cars that belong to him. And paying for houses that belong to him because we've used his 10% to pay for them. And some people may be going to hell because we're living in a house that we shouldn't be living in. Oh, it sounds hard, doesn't it? I don't want to go before God and say, I was building my kingdom and so I didn't care about this person's suffering. Here's how this translates out, too. If 61% more came in, you know how many more staff we could have? You know how many more staff can help cover people? You know how many more outreaches? You know how much more ministry we could be doing? And honestly, this is a church that doesn't keep money here. Like, we are doing things. We are going out. You know how many orphanages we could help? Do you understand what that does at 1027 Projects? Do you understand that that's another $60,000 that goes out towards countries around the world and ministries that aren't hurting, that rests in your hands? Do we understand how that translates into lives being touched and restored and healed? And we miss it all because Satan says, did God really say that? You could use that. We can come in and we can sing songs and go, God is great and I give you my heart and it's all yours. It means nothing. It means nothing. And here's the, the biggest kicker. God doesn't even need your money. It's not even about money. It's about your heart. It's about worship. It's about where you are. And God goes, it's not really about money. Whether you give or not, my mission is going to go forward and people are going to be saved. But in the end, you will stand before him. He'll go, so let's talk about your heart condition. What do you mean my heart condition? You mean money? Oh, no. Money was just a tool. That was like a test. 
like a piece of paper. It's like the ink you took the test with. It really wasn't the test. It just revealed something in you that wasn't of God. Let's talk about your trust. Let's talk about your lack of faith. Let's talk about your selfishness. Let's talk about your kingdom. Let's talk about why you elevated yourself above me. But God, I never did any of these things. Yeah, you did. By your actions. To God, I, I sung on the worship team. A lot of people sing on the worship team. God, I preach Sunday mornings. A lot of people preach Sunday mornings. See? When you play it out, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to do a knee-jerk reaction. I'm not going to go, and none of us are going to go and look and see who's tithing, who's not. I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't want to know. Here's what I know. The church is going to go forward based on him, not based on you. But he's given you an opportunity to be part of it. Will you be part of it, or will you not? Thursday, I was at the district office. This does not happen all the time, all right? Not that I was at the district office, but it's about to happen. Thursday, I was at the district office, and we were having a day of fasting and prayer, and I went in there, and we were praying together corporately, and then we moved into separate offices where our section, which a section represents like Boston sections with a group of ministers together, and the presbyter, who's kind of like the head um, representative of that section, prays over all the pastors, and so I was in there with about 17 other people. I was probably the third person from the end to be prayed for. When I sat down, they laid hands, and they prayed, and after they prayed, this guy said, Selwyn, i got to tell you something, and he said this in front of everybody, all right? He said, when you came in, I saw something. Right? Now, guys, I've been going to, to this for well over a decade. I, this doesn't happen, all right? Now, I told you about something similar that happened not too long ago, remember? All right? Okay, that's the only two times I've seen this happen, all right? But it's happening kind of a lot to us right now. I sat down and he said, someone, I saw you when you came in, and in my vision I saw you looking over a piece of paper, and you were pouring over the finances, and you were going down to the bottom line, and you kept going down to the budget and the bottom line, and he said the problem was that the bottom line didn't match up with what you needed for, for, to, to handle what God was about to do. And God wants you to do, the wants you to know has got nothing to do with that bottom line. He's not dependent on that bottom line. He's going to get it done no matter what. And don't focus on the bottom line. Then he says this. He says also, he wants you to know that when you get into your building, now this guy doesn't know what's going on. He said, I want you to put that, you need to put that vision that you have, the vision that God's given uh, don't shrink back from it as big and as clear as it is. Put it on the wall, and when people come in, they will see it, and you will not even have to explain it to them. They'll know exactly what it's about. But don't shrink back from it. Then he says, someone, this is not about you. This is not about the name of a church. This is about his kingdom. And if you will stay focused on that, you will have no, you have no idea what God is going to do through this church and the amount of lives that he is going to touch through this church. All right? Corey was there. Beth was there. I'm so glad they were there because it keeps happening with them. I'm like, did you guys hear that? Here's the thing. That wasn't for me. There were portions of that for me. That's for us. All right? Here's what I want to tell you. I haven't been pouring over the budget. There's no sheet that I've been looking at going, oh, how are we going to do this? Any more than we do normal things, right? I haven't. That tells me that God is getting ready to do something in this church that doesn't add up, all right? It's only going to be by his power, his glory, and his provision. 
Whether you tithe or don't tithe, it doesn't matter. You can tithe as much as you possibly can. It's not going to make a difference. We're still going to need God. Like, we're not dependent on you. This sounds horrible. I don't mean this horribly. We're not. We're dependent on him. Tithe, don't tithe, that's a you got issue. That's not a you got tithings issue. Okay? God's going to do something that's beyond our tithing ability to handle. But then he says this, someone, this is not about you. You hear me, guys, week after week, I tell everybody, this is not my church, it's not mine. It's his. You know I don't look at this church as if it's mine. I don't make it about me. Then he says, this is not about a name either. It's not about the name of glad tidings. He says it's about my kingdom. See, what happens when churches get successful, people always go, oh, do you know this name? And the name of that church becomes a big thing. Oh, it's this name. Well, maybe the name of that pastor, oh, they're so successful. And sometimes you go, oh, I like this pastor. Oh, I like this church. And God goes, it's nothing to do with that. You stay focused on that. It's not you. It's not this church. It's my kingdom. And this is what I love the most. He says, if you stay focused on those things, that it's about my kingdom, you can't even begin to imagine the many the amount of lives that could be transformed. Can I just paraphrase it for you? God says, I want to build my kingdom, and I want to use you guys. But if you don't hijack it, and you make sure it's about my kingdom, the bottom line is people get saved. You understand that? God wasn't saying, I want to give you a big building. I want to give you all this stuff. I want to. He says, no, I want people saved. I want people saved. Please, if you don't make it about yourself, and I honestly know right now we're not, but we have to make sure that we maintain that. Do you know what I'm saying? We have to make sure that if guess what God does and he wants us to be successful, we don't become big-headed and go, oh, it's about us and our performance. It's got nothing to do with that. God says, I want to build my kingdom. I want, he says, I want people saved. And I believe the only reason God is doing that with this church is because we're not holding back. It's because we are moving forward. As sinful as we are, not because we're a perfect church, because we have one desire to be obedient to him. And because we're saying, okay, God, if the church dies with this, I've made a mistake, whatever, but God, I just want to move in obedience to you. And because we say, God, this is not my church, it's his, God says, now that's a church I can use. That's not just for someone, but it is for someone. That's for you. And let me flip it on you a little bit more. See, that's also personal for you. I believe the same words could be said to you. This is not about you. Your finances are not about you. Your success is not about you. Your career and your position is not about you. It's not about the name that you leave behind. It's not about the title that's on your nameplate on your desk. It's not about the vice president title or anything else or see or whatever it might be. It's not about you. It's not about a title. It's about his kingdom in your life. And if you will stay focused on that in your life, wherever you are, you won't be able to fathom the lives that will be transformed through him building his kingdom because you haven't hijacked it from him. What happens if we all get this message? How does, how does life change? 
man, how does this church change if all of a sudden we're tithing and we can hire more people and do more things and build? I'm going to tell you things change in Haiti right now. Things change right around this room. Things change. What happens if we all start doing this? What happens if you start doing this? What happens if we actually dare to trust God? Dare to say it's not about my kingdom. It's really about yours. And we really live that way. Do you know what keeps us from doing it? Because we've built our own kingdoms, we're afraid he'll take them from us. That's the truth. It's we've put ourselves into a position that we're kind of holding on to. We're trying to protect them. And if we do something, what if God takes us from me? Then we do that. When we have that kind of wrestling in our hearts, we've made it about us. Let me tell you something. You can't work yourself into a position like God can place you in a position. You just can't. Look at Scripture, man. God positions his people for his kingdom. Esther, and he put her there. He positioned, look at Nehemiah, he placed him there. Man, you it's not because hate to break it to you, it's not because your skills and your abilities. God gave those to you. He's gonna put you where he wants you. And let me tell you something: the more you honor him, the more he'll place you. If you will keep that in mind, if you don't make it about you, if you don't make it about your success or your career, your name tag. You will reach people in heaven, for heaven, not in heaven. I have one desire in my life. At the end of my life, I just hope, what I want to hear is I want to hear people go, that guy made a difference in my life. Not that guy was perfect, or not that guy preached great, or certainly not that guy preached terrible. I just want to know, that guy made a difference in my life. That's it. It's good enough for me. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I want to ask our prayer team to come up to the front and make themselves available. Here's what I want you to respond to this morning. If you're not tithing, yeah, you need to tithe. Don't tithe because we tell you to tithe. Tithe because you want to worship God. Tithe with your finances. Tithe with your abilities. Tithe with your talents. Tithe with your skill sets. Do you realize that there are children in this church that desperately need the abilities and skill sets that God has gifted you? Do you understand that there are people who are hurting right now in this world because you haven't moved out with the very skill set and abilities that God has given you? And they're hurting because they need them. They were given to you to give to them. My heart, my hope, my prayer is that for us, not that 2015, but the rest of our lives, will be different. What's behind us is behind us. Don't try and make up for it. We need to repent and give it to God and say, God, would you forgive us and let this day and moving forward be different. Let my life exist to glorify you. Let it exist not for my name, for no other name but Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, we come before you. God, first and foremost, we ask you to forgive us, Lord God. God, I ask you to forgive us for building our kingdoms. Forgive me for building my kingdom with your finances. Forgive me for building my kingdom with my abilities. Forgive me for building my kingdom with my skill sets. Forgive me for building my kingdom with my education. Forgive me for robbing from you, and not just from you, from other people who are broken and hurting and who do not know you. 
Forgive me for taking those resources and using it for myself and change my wicked heart. Wash me and cleanse me. God, teach me to trust you, Lord God. Shift my eyes from resources to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, forgive me for, for, for being about my own name. Forgive me for being about my own title. But God, let me truly exist and live in everything that I say and everything that I do for, for your kingdom, Lord God. And I pray that as I worship you with every part of my life, with every ounce of my being, God, would you set the captives free? God, would you lead those living and walking and moving in darkness into the light of eternity with you, Lord God. And God, would your life, would your healing, would your power, would your authority be seen in my life as I live for you? All honor all glory, all power, all praise belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open.